This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. All right, it is Film Study with Ken McCusick. Last week, Ken made me sit here and talk about Bouchard Perriman. So this week, I'm bringing in a guest for Ken so that we don't have to talk about Bouchard Perriman. Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I am doing good, again, because we don't have to talk about Bouchard Perriman. <laughs> uh, Exciting guest this week, and I am thrilled that you were able to get him to do the show, Josh. Yeah, so Dominic Foxworth wrote a great article over on The Undefeated about Lamar Jackson. We're a little late to this. It's two, three weeks out there. Everyone should go check it out, but let's just jump straight to the interview. Joining us now is the nicest person I know. <laughs> Dominique Foxworth and his wife Ashley are great people. 
but Ken, you can go through the Wikipedia of everything that Dominique's done. We, we couldn't have Dominique on without a brief run through his resume, which is the most Im impressive resume you'll ever see for a 35-year-old. He played for the Ravens from 2009 to 2010. As you know, he played six total years in the NFL, three with the Broncos to start out, and then one with Atlanta before he came to the Ravens. Had a really good year in 2009. Of course, most Ravens fans know he got hurt after that, and uh, unfortunately, that was the end of his career in 2010. Uh, but since he left football, you hear a lot about professional football players having financial or personal difficulties after they leave the game. But since retiring from the NFL in 2012, Dominique has went on to far greater success uh, with the NFL PA, where he became the president in 2012. Uh, he actually, as the vice president, played a lead role in negotiating the 2011 CBA. By the way, tell me when I get anything wrong, Dominique. I don't want to mess this up as I go. <laughs> No problem. It's but, just I, I always assume whenever um, I start hearing my own credentials that it's boring people. They don't care. They just want to hear what I got to say now, right? Well, we're gonna we're gonna finish up anyway because I think people do want to know this here. Um, you know, he did okay. well with the with the CBA in 2011 because he was made COO of the National Basketball Players Association in 2014. He, after he left football, got his MBA from Harvard. Uh, so that's fantastic in for your kids, hopefully someday. Maintains numerous charitable concerns. Uh, tell us about any of those if you'd like, Dominique. And uh, he's now oh, a yeah, writer. Yeah, I think we, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Uh, he's a writer now for The Undefeated and the host on ESPN Radio of the show The Morning Roast. So here's Dominique Foxworth. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was... I, whenever people start talking about my resume, I always and get to the Harvard part. I, I always have to throw in there, which Josh knows that my wife uh, is the reason why I went there. She got her, she went to law school there, and when I was looking at going to business school, I was um, looking at some local business schools because I grew up in the Baltimore area, and she said that I, she thought I was smart enough to take a shot at the big schools, and I did, and I got in. So she is obviously the brains and the beauty of this relationship, but I can run fast, so that's, that, or I, I could at some point in my life. So right. that, that's what I got going for me. But you also got through business school with children, which I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have the same experience that, that the other students have. It's like a, a lot of networking and a lot of going out and drinking and having a good time, but nah, not when you got the kids. I, I look for any time I can to get some sleep, which anybody, any parent knows knows that drill. You're just trying to find some a couple of hours to yourself to get some quiet and get some sleep and maybe get some work done. Right. Now, I, I've, I've wanted to get you on uh, one of my podcasts for a while, but it's always been looking for the right opportunity. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson, uh, which I think surprised a lot of Raven fans. One, that he was still available at the time the Ravens made the pick. And, and second, that the Ravens actually kind of got aggressive and went after a quarterback. Uh, you wrote an article about uh, for the undefeated, basically about how Lamar Jackson could kind of change the game of football if given the opportunity. So, uh, were you surprised with Lamar Jackson ending up in Baltimore? Uh, yeah, I was. I was shocked. I didn't think he would slide as far as he did in the draft. So that that um, certainly surprised me. So many teams it seemed to have an opportunity, and it. What, the one that really shocked me, I thought New Orleans was moving up when they ended up moving up to get the, the defensive end. I thought they were moving up to get him, and then he just kept sliding and sliding. And I think the Ravens were really smart to get him where they got him because I, I think, one, is he's super talented, and he he's obviously a Heisman Trophy winner, so he has the ability to be great in the league. But also the fact that they got him 
inside the first round is really important for that fifth-year option if he turns out to be the type of player that we all think he, he could be. If you get a player in the second round, you then don't have the, the ability to exercise the fifth-year option, which gives you that player for an extra year with more time to negotiate. So it's really smart. I think it was a um, savvy move by, by Ozzy. It was quite a coincidence because the, the two pieces I was working on, um, written pieces I was working on going up to the draft, was one was Lamar Jackson and the other one was Ozzy Newsom. He, he gave me a couple of, of extended interviews. I got to talk to him about his life and and the things outside of football, which is not something he normally does, as all Ravens fans know, that Ozzy is kind of uh, very private, but he gave me those interviews, and so it was kind of cool coincidence that both of those pieces came out around the draft, and they ended up kind of being related without me knowing it, so I was really excited for it to work out, and I grew up in Baltimore. I'm, I'm from Baltimore, so I was happy. I kind of uh, am always happy when, when things work out. In, in that city and for that team. All right, terrific. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Jackson and in your own words, I know you guys have done a lot of uh, research for the article, clearly also quoted some scouts in the process about what you think will work well about Jackson at the NFL level, particularly as a passer, I'm interested. Yeah, no, it was, um, I have to be honest, there's a, a lot of, and I think it's just human nature when you see something that you that kind of looks similar, you start to to group things. And I I think I and a lot of people were guilty of that also. Where you see Lamar Jackson and you see all the highlights of him, and you start to think of him as a quarterback who's like Michael Vick. And obviously he has that ability, but he's also a, a pretty disciplined passer. While he's not super accurate, I think that's a legitimate concern. That uh, all the scouts that I talked to and. Um, and uh, Matt Hasselback, like a former quarterback, said that accuracy is something that you can improve with coaching. But the things that, that most quarterbacks have a hard time with getting in the league is sitting in the pocket and having patience, particularly the quarterbacks who have the athleticism to get out and make a play. But that's not something he had trouble with. But when you watch him play, he sits in the pocket and he goes through his progressions. And as everybody knows, I'm sure anybody who's, who um, is a Ravens fan has probably already looked into the idea that he – or understands that he was under Bobby Petrino, who was an offensive, NFL-style offensive coach. And those were the, the principles that he was running the entire time he was in college. And I was really surprised because when you get an athlete like that in college, you're tempted to go to the spread stuff, like Marcus Mariota used to run at Oregon, that sort of stuff. But that's not the offense that they ran. They really ran um, kind of a traditional uh, deep-passing NFL-style offense, an offense that's probably more NFL than a lot of NFL teams, honestly. Uh, so many more NFL teams have gone to these spread short-passing games to reduce the, the turnovers. And so I think Lamar Jackson, if the Ravens look to do that and look to build around him, I think he'll be a standout in this league because he has. it seems that he is, while he hasn't mastered the pocket passing, he's, he has an understanding and he has the ability to kind of execute in the way uh, that you would expect a guy who doesn't have his athleticism to, to, to execute. So I was really high on him. I know that uh, it's not a popular opinion, but there's some respected scouts who thought he was the best quarterback in the draft, and I, I don't think that's too far-fetched, honestly. Yeah, well, there's, cer there's certainly some difference of opinion on that, in the even within the top four guys who went, that Mayfield or Rosen or who might have been number one. I'm sorry, Josh, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say that, that – concept of him being more of a pocket passer is encouraging because it's really hard to look at at Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco and see it as Lamar Jackson as a guy who can even back up a Joe Flacco offense 
And what you're saying is that he can play that type of offense, but when things break down, he's still got that speed. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, if you watch the, as I did, I watched all his plays from the last couple of seasons, he, uh, you, I think what happens is we see his highlights. If you aren't a Louisville football fan or you don't watch Louisville football or you're not a scout, what you see of Lamar Jackson is his highlights. And the highlights, the things that he, do, that he does that are unique are those running plays. And you don't necessarily see him dropping back in the, pa- in the pocket completing intermediate passes because that's not as flashy. But when you watch him, that is what he does. And more often than not, the, the long, explosive running plays were off of design runs. Uh, they're not necessarily the kind of look one way, first receiver's not open, and he scrambles and runs. That's just not what he does Where, when you watch him play. And I'm sure fans will see more of this now that that, uh, that he's a part of the Ravens. Uh, he goes across the field and back with his reads before he tucks and runs. So, like, there are um, plays where he scrambles, but it's normally after he's already gone through his entire progression. So I, I don't see that being a problem. And like I said, he's not a perfect uh, prospect, or he probably wouldn't have slid as far as he did in the draft. Where where the issues are for him is not necessarily reading the defense, because um, anybody who who remembers last year's draft, that was the knock on Deshaun Watson. And I rewatched uh, probably four or five of Deshaun Watson's games from his senior year, and he was actually like literally bad at reading coverages. He would throw to the wrong place all the time, and particularly in that national championship game where he had that great uh, drive at the end to win, it was really he, – he wasn't throwing to the right spot at any point. He just was better than the guys out on the field. You don't have that issue as much with um, Lamar Jackson. So, like I said, he's not a perfect prospect. The major issue is his, is his accuracy, and that is, like, uh, it's erratic. So that's a problem because the, this league is one where the coverage will be tighter. And if you're a little bit off where it might have been incomplete in college, it'll be an interception – in the NFL, which is unacceptable. So if he can't get that together, he won't survive in the league. But I think that, for, and again, I'm not a quarterback and I'm not a quarterback coach, but uh, obviously interviewed a lot of scouts and former NFL quarterbacks, and they believe that that's something that can be addressed. And he has arm strength. That's not really something you can coach, but he has the type of arm strength that seems effortless. He can throw it um, down the field. And the thing that he does best uh, as far as passing concern is deep balls. He throws some really great corner routes and deep post, which I think complements his running skills quite well. So he has enough talent uh, and enough, uh, like, elite skills that you just won't find anywhere that I think a good coaching staff can build packages around those abilities to put defenses in binds. And uh, as long as the Ravens' defense, I think, it stands up to the to kind of the, the Ravens' defensive pedigree, I think that team will be good. And uh, for years to come, and I think it, you don't get a quarterback in the first round. And I, I've, I've been a supporter of of Joe for quite some time, and I would like to see him do well. But you don't get a quarterback in the first round, and I think Joe probably know, knows this. The writing's on the wall. You don't go and draft a QB in the first round unless you're planning on making a transition. So I suspect Lamar Jackson will get some time at some point throughout this season, and Joe Flacco probably won't be back in the future. You mentioned yeah. the, you mentioned the coaching staff. And you're very familiar with the Baltimore Ravens organization. Do you think the current coaching staff is prepared to groom a guy like Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when they were um, sniffing around Colin Kaepernick, I think it was because they liked that athleticism. They they went away from him for uh, for reasons, not because of his ability. And I think as uh, 
Marty Mortenwig is a guy who's had a lot of success with um, dual-threat quarterbacks. So I think that this is the direction that they want to go. I think they were delighted to see Lamar Jackson available to build this around him, but I think that's where they wanted to go because, again, it's the direction that the league is going. If you watch the Super Bowl last year, or not even just the Super Bowl, all the playoffs. Okay, so next question I had, Dominique, was regards to what the Ravens have done this offseason to try and build some talent around him on offense. And, and the Ravens had a big decision to make when they drafted at 15th, and they passed on Derwin James. They waited, traded down twice, 25 drafted a tw- tight end. So I guess they still figured Jackson had not dropped into their value range at that point. Then, of course, they traded back in to get Jackson. But the fact that they got two tight ends and two offensive tackles in addition, including one I think is probably going to be ready this year, um, particularly the tight ends for the young quarterback who is extending a play a lot. Do you think that'll be a spe- specifically a significant asset? And do you think that they were already planning for Jackson, perhaps even when they drafted Hurst? Yeah, honestly, I, I don't think that they were. I, I could be wrong, but I think everyone was kind of shocked. Well, I guess not everyone, but uh, I can't imagine. If they wanted uh, Jackson, I think they would have drafted him there. Uh, not to say that they didn't want him. I think that they they were lucky to have him drop to where he did, but I don't think that they were getting the tight ends in order to prepare for Jackson. I think that was a fortunate coincidence. But I do think that, I mean, Titans have always been, even prior to this coaching regime, regime, Titans have been a big part of what they do offensively in Baltimore. So I think uh, the Titans situation for Joe Flacco hadn't worked out because of several injuries over the past year. So I think that's what they were probably trying to do more than anything is give him the tight ends that, that he needs to feel comfortable. And, again, we talked about um, how – a lot of RPOs and quarterback running is offense of the future. I think two tight end sets is also kind of offense of the future in some degree. I know it doesn't sound like it necessarily because we all think about getting more speedy receivers out there, but what you're able to do with uh, two tight ends on the field, the type of mismatches you're able to create, particularly when you get a, a tight end like Hurst who is really kind of a big receiver, I think those, those type of dilemmas that you create for defense, because it's hard to find someone who is, fast enough to stay with a guy like that and big enough to be able to fight off the block from a guy like that. So it's a little different when you have a receiver out there. You put a receiver out there, you know that you put a corner out there to cover him. Put a tight end out there, you're not sure if you use a linebacker or a nickel corner or a safety. And no matter who you use, the tight end has some sort of either physical or athletic advantage if they're the type of tight end that you need and, uh, to have those type of um, mismatches. Right, and I think that's that's really well known for both these guys. In fact, Andrews is the is a guy who either can split out or go tight. And at OU, he didn't do a lot of inline blocking, but I think he'll probably do a little bit more of it in Baltimore. But that really does force that question: if you treat him as a wide receiver, you bring on the nickel. If you don't, you stay in the standard, and then obviously you you, you create more mismatches there. But uh, you know, with with Collins and having a good running game, they 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 want to run with a single back in the nickel, and they also have a good fullback if they want to go that way as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about how Jackson can contribute to this. I, I did want to ask you something, going back to your CBA experience, because obviously there's a lot less opportunity to coach players in an on-field environment now. And we've seen some players go outside the system to get strength and body sculpting training they need or position-specific coaching that they need. Ryan Jensen last offseason did a great job of molding himself into a good NFL center and got rewarded for it this year. Joe Flacco has been criticized for not taking the offseason, doing as much as he can with passing camps with his own receivers. 
So my question for you is, how would you advise Jackson to proceed in terms of any off-season activities that might be self-directed? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to get in the business of advising any player to do uh, to make any of those type of decisions. Like, that's something I think is for, for them to work out for them for themselves. I think there's there's something to be said for taking time away. And we talked about, at least when you were talking about my resume early on, about transition. And I think that's a lot of what we were thinking about in trying to give guys longer off-season is we all um, – are disappointed and sad and some people judgmental of players who transition out of the league poorly and end up in bad situations but then, <clears throat> excuse me but then we don't give them the opportunity and the time they need to to go back to school to get internships to explore other avenues so if players can use that time however they see fit and i, I think that it's um it's not perfect but it, it works out to benefit some players and it doesn't others but i think that opportunity being there is is a good thing for them to have so Somebody like Jackson, who's just coming into the league, I uh, suspect that whether I was going to advise him or not, he would probably be trying to get as much knowledge as he possibly can, and that's probably true of all the players. That's what they should do. Okay. All right. It's a great point about adapting to your life after the NFL. Um, I'm going to put you back in a position here and, and ask you how you do this. Now, Lamar Jackson's a cornerback, quarterback, and you're at cornerback, covering the other team's star receiver. How would you be approaching that assignment with regard to having Jackson in the pocket? What do you need to do differently as a corner? <laughs> yeah, so that that's um, the the difficulty for in that situation for a corner is that guy who has that type of athleticism is going to extend the play. If he scrambles and and runs for yards, that's not necessarily my concern until he crosses the line of scrimmage. As a defensive back, your concern and what is really a pain, frankly, is uh, him scrambling with the ball but not leaving, not crossing the line and still throwing it. So the tough thing about, um, and I think we talked about this a bit in the piece, but the tough thing about uh, having that type of quarterback is you really can't play man-to-man against a quarterback like that because in man coverage, everyone turns their backs to the quarterback, which means once he gets past the D-line, there's nobody there to tackle him uh, until the free safety or someone sees him. But if you go zone, the tough thing is with zone is if he starts to scramble, the way that you adjust is you then convert to man-to-man. And if you're in zone, and which means that you're not going to be right next to the receiver, once he starts to scramble, you're four or five yards away from the receiver. So you're in kind of a catch-22 with that type of guy when they start to move with the ball. So I think as a defensive, you could ask any defensive coordinator in the league, the guys that they hate to prepare for most are those type of guys because they're unpredictable and they, their um, abilities kind of defy the rules of, of offensive football because they have the athleticism to change. It's like you blitz. A blitz is not the uh, – one of the things you anticipate as a defensive back is like, all right, we're running a blitz, so the ball has to come out quicker. That's not true when you have a guy back there who is capable of breaking tackles and outrunning all the blitzers. And it, it, just, it, it just makes everything a lot more unpredictable. So it's, it's a lot harder to prepare for a guy like that. Okay, fascinating. How about how about spy concepts? Well, do you think he'll face some of that? And if so, how can he exploit that? Yeah, so the spy is another thing. Again, so if you have a spy, you have to take the spy from somewhere. You don't get to bring in a 12th man. So <laughs> if you take the spy, you, you, you take a spy out of coverage, that makes your coverage a little weaker. You take a spy off the D-line, that makes your um, rush a little weaker. So that, again, advantages the offense. And when there's a guy like uh, Lamar Jackson... 
he is faster than <laughs> presumably he's going to be faster than any defensive line spy you have, any linebacker spy that you have, which means that you might have to put an extra DB in to spy him. And then you put an extra DB in the game to spy him, then you're a little lighter against the run. So, again, it's just that no one's quite figured out the, the perfect um, defenses for these type of quarterbacks because they change everything. Again, they break all the rules of offensive football. So you can't – if you have a guy who's a pocket passer, and, of course, nobody really wants to face Tom Brady because he's tremendous, but you know what you don't have to worry about? You don't have to worry about the read option with Tom Brady. So – yeah. If he um, is going to hand the ball off on a shotgun-type run, then you can attack the running back, and you you can disregard him. That's not necessarily true with a guy like Lamar Jackson. You you have to leave at least one uh, defender outside so you can't load the box to stop the run. It'll be tremendous. I think the person who would be most excited about that is Collins or whoever is running the ball in that situation is you get an extra blocker when you have a quarterback that people are afraid of. There you go. Yeah, it's interesting, the spy concept. I think the Ravens have only used it once during the last decade or so, and it was against Wilson, again, the game against Seattle a couple of years ago, and he shredded them uh, in 2015, yeah. I think it was, and, and they used about seven snaps of Brooks as a spy in that game. But uh, yeah, it's very rarely seen these days, but just don't do not do yeah. it. I mean, it's it's hard because it's rarely, it's rarely used. So that's how you get good at something is you do it enough. If you don't do it a lot, it's it, it's hard when you have. That's a. I mean, I keep saying that's another thing, and it's another thing. But uh, again, these guys kind of break the rules of football. So uh, another thing that you have to be concerned about is when you're preparing, or another thing that the opponent has to be concerned about is when you're preparing to play against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. There's uh, several different plays that you have to practice that you have to devote the limited practice time to going over that you may or may not see. And you don't see them every week. So, like, a curl-flat passing concept or a deep dig or a dagger route, corner route. Like, these are things that you see every week. So you practice them in training camp. You practice them just about every week. You practice against them. So then when they come up, it's no problem. But if you have this, uh, like, an elaborate running quarterback uh, zone read type of system, that's not something you see every week. And so you have to devote a significant amount of your practice time to preparing for it, which makes you a little bit less prepared for everything else. So... Even if you just put Lamar Jackson in for a series here or there, that's going to help Joe Flacco in the long run because it's going to make the teams a little less prepared for the things that he does. So a special package, one one per week or, so, or four plays per week or some such? Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, you don't even have to do them every week because normally when preparing for games, you do the people uh, analyze the film of the previous four weeks. So if you throw something, throw Lamar out on the field um, every couple of games, that is enough to to – to worry the other coaching staff enough that they're going to dedicate a significant amount of their coaching time to prepare for Lamar Jackson, and then he may never see the field. So, I mean, even just drafting him, uh, I think, improves their team. So if you were uh, John Harbaugh, how would you use him? Would you use him that way of every couple weeks, bring him in for one play, even though it's that type of thing that once he goes on the field, guys know what you're doing, or but they still right. got to prepare for it? Or would you have him as a straight Joe Flacco backup? Or, of course, the, the people yeah. who talk about uh, putting two quarterbacks on the field and putting them out there as a wide receiver. What would you do with him in his first year? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely uh, – the one thing I wouldn't do is do the whole wide receiver uh, thing. Is I mean, I understand the allure of doing something like that, but I don't think that you do that with someone who you think could, could potentially be uh, your long-term fix at quarterback. But I think the answer to all those questions determined, is determined by how he – 
plays in training camp. So, like, I, I wouldn't even rule out necessarily starting him. Like, it just depends on how he plays in training camp. And if he plays well enough to earn himself some time, then you give him some time. And um, and if he doesn't play well enough, then you don't. Uh, I think it's as simple as that. So despite the Joe Flacco contract, you still go into this uh, preseason with a quarterback uh, a competition? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think the, it's – it should be assumed, I think, that Joe Flacco is a starter. Like, a, he's a Super Bowl champion quarterback. He is – there's a lot of money um, dedicated to him, at least for this season. So I think that should be the plan. But if for some reason, I, I think anybody who's been around sports knows that that the team knows who's the best and the team knows who they want, want out there. So if, if for some reason – and I think it's probably far-fetched, but if he comes into camp and he's just blowing – everyone out of the water like the team is not going to allow you to continue with a, a quarterback who's not as good I think it's unlikely but I think that you have to remain with that possibility open but uh, I honestly believe that I'm sorry I, I, I'll just say in some sense Joe's salary for this year is a sunk cost they're not going to cut him right. before the season starts so they're going right. to hold him so it's a sunk cost next year yes they they have a way to decide whether they want to pay 16 million in one year or Eight million each over two, but they but they don't have a way really to get rid of his salary. And then you're just in season, and it's who's the better guy for the job. So that leads to my next question, yeah. which was which was and really my last, which is uh, if they decide to make the transition and uh, they decide well either by losing or by ineffectiveness or by whatever whatever reason they decide they're ready to make the transition during the season. How long a transition period in terms of installing, you know small differences to the offense that would maximize his effectiveness would that take with could they do it in one week or is it something that they install 10 plays per week for three three weeks or what how long would it take yeah. to do something like that yeah i mean i'm not an offensive guy so i think it's it's probably my speculation on that is is probably only marginally better than yours or anybody else's um i, I think that uh, it's there just to their benefit the offense that he ran in college. So I think he is capable of running the same plays as Joe Flacco, obviously. Like, they don't have to throw the offense out altogether. I think that's what his that's what his experience was like in college was he kind of ran an NFL-style offense, and then they would throw some quarterback running plays in there on top of it. And it they didn't necessarily mesh together very well. I think it probably takes a while to build an entire offense that kind of is cohesive and all that stuff seems to fit well together but I think they could immediately put him in and I'm sure throughout training camp they'll be practicing those type of quarterback run plays and that's the only difference and to be honest there's not much change that has to be done because the quarterback running plays are the same as running back running plays to the offensive line you just call a a zone or a trap or a, a wham or power you just call it the same the blocking schemes are the same what happens in the backfield is just different so the, it's between the quarterback and the running back just trying to figure out their steps and those things that changes. So honestly, don't think it'll be in, it, it'll be that complicated to put them in. But if they're trying to do some of the more advanced RPO type things that that you saw in the Super Bowl, I think that might take a little more time. Great. Um, well, Dominic, thanks for uh, joining us and really helping us understand uh, from I guess inside the game what a guy like Lamar Jackson could do for Baltimore and, and the Ravens. I'll give you an easy question to wrap this up. Do you miss playing? No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, every, every now and then I'll, I'll look up and 
and see like uh, some of the excitement leading up to the game, and I'm like oh, it'd be cool to be out there. And then the game actually starts, and people start hitting each other, and I'm like, oh, I'm good on that. Right, right. <laughs> I, I did, I did my time. It was fun while it lasted, but I'm, I'm old now. I have. Uh, three kids and it just it doesn't it's it's more fun to watch than it would be to play at this point right do your knees just ache a little bit watching the game <laughs> uh my knees everything is it's it is uh i remember after i tore my acl and i was on the sidelines of the game it was the first kind of major injury that i had where i missed significant time and i was watching the game like what what the hell are they doing like this is really violent <laughs> it's just yeah. something when you're out there you don't notice it but and anybody who's watched it on TV is an entirely different experience than if you are. I mean, even in the stadium, it's a different experience than if you're down there. If you ever get a chance to get down there close to the to the game, it feels a lot faster. And as I'm sure you see, coaches can't get out the way or players can't get out the way on the sideline when um, when plays come their their direction. It's it's a fast, crazy game that I much more I enjoy much more as a as a spectator now, and I'm not looking to get back out there. <laughs> Right, I remember after that injury, you had a slight limp, and you said, I do not want to have this for the rest of my life. Nah, yeah, I've managed to dodge having yes. it for the rest of my life. I'm sure that all the arthritis will catch up with me at some point, but for now, uh, no one could tell that I'm a football player. I just walk like a normal person. I'm about normal size. I like normal life. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, your resume is anything but, but normal. So, Dominique, <laughs> thank you for uh, joining us. Say hi to Ashley for me, and have fun with the kids. You got it, man. Thank you. Wasn't that great to talk to uh, Dominique Foxworth about Lamar Jackson? I think he's completely changed my mind on Lamar Jackson. I want to remind people to follow him on Twitter, at Foxworth24, and just thank him for joining us on our little podcast. Yeah, it was terrific. Inside football. Love to talk that with uh, with Dominique. And he, he clearly really understands the game at, at a level. He says he's not an offensive guy, but he really understands a lot of offensive commentary when he's talking about how the offensive line blocks a certain way and then it's all the running backs behind them. All the stuff he could tell us about you know, how he, you react to a cornerback, to a, to a running threat. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, he, he's, he's way smarter than us. And, yeah, whenever he says he doesn't quite understand, he still knows better than me. <laughs> so uh, that, that was uh, wonderful. Ken, uh, let's point people towards uh, Russell Street Report where they can get this podcast as well as previous podcasts like the one I mentioned earlier with where we talked to guys about Bashard Perriman. Uh, we talked to a guy who's using Madden to, to look at how the Ravens play. Uh, oh, it translates how the Ravens plays translate to Madden, yes. Right, yeah. a very good guest last week. I do encourage people to go back and, and listen to some commentary from some new analysts who are interested in, in doing that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens, uh, at RSR, or, sorry, on uh, Russell Street Report. You can, you can see my archive there with lots of stuff, including all of the podcasts Josh and I have done. Uh, they're also available by subscription, right, Josh? How do they get them there? Yeah, go on, on, go on over to iTunes and subscribe to Film Study with Kemi Kuzik and leave us a review. Click a little five stars and write a comment in there for us. It really helps new people find the show. And as we are uh, preparing this uh, preseason and getting ready, I guess offseason, to get ready for the preseason, the more we can get review-wise up there is really going to help us as we're going into this new season and people are out there looking for Ravens talk, especially with the Orioles struggling. There you go. So 13 hits today and no runs for the Orioles. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the Orioles. <laughs> right. I'll talk, I talk about the Orioles enough on Section 336. I don't want to talk about it here. Um, 
I do want to talk about, I do want to plug something new. I started a new podcast this week. In fact, it's so new, it's not in iTunes yet. It's going to be in iTunes probably tomorrow or uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. But go on over to section336.com right now and you can check out the very first episode of a new podcast called Ghost Runners. And here's what it is. It is baseball because I have a baseball obsession. But I do this podcast with my wife. And my wife is not a baseball fan. So what I get to do is we sit down here and I share baseball stories, myths, and legends with her. As a just a normal, common folk, I get to share these great stories from the history of baseball with her. And she learns. And um, this is what happens when I don't have, my girls don't care about baseball. So I can't pass <laughs> these stories down to my girls. So I'm passing them down to the listeners. And I'm really excited about it. We're making every episode under 30 minutes, so they're nice, short, compact stories. And I, the very first episode is about my favorite urban legend in, in baseball, which is the 1997 uh, Cal Ripken, Kevin Cosner uh, issue, rumor, urban legend, and the lights going out at, at Camden Yards. So I get into that. Uh, if, you, if you're not a Baltimore Orioles fan, you don't know that story, so check it out. If you are an Orioles fan, you know that story even though you don't know why you know that story. <laughs> so check All right, that looking out. forward to it. Check it out. That's, it's up it, now. Ghost Runners, it's on section336.com and iTunes in the next day or two. That's wonderful. Your regular show, is you're still doing that. You didn't yeah. stop doing it, right? Nope, nope. Section 336, every week, every Monday night, is talking Orioles and, uh, and Ravens, but a lot of Orioles. Ghost Runners is nationwide, no, not limited to the Orioles. It sounds like a great program, Josh. I'd be, I'd be happy to, to come on sometime and talk stories, but I guess the format of that's a little different. You're just kind of talking to oh, your wife. Is yeah, that... different, completely different format that I'm just talking to my wife, and we're getting getting her reactions as just someone. It, you don't even have to be a baseball fan to listen to these stories, so it's exciting. That sounds cool. So, All right, Ken. Well, we will speak in the uh, next week or two as we continue to get ready for the new Raven season. We're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.